You've worked hard for your savings. It's time your savings starts working harder for you. With Millibank, you can do just that. When you open a savings account or JARS, you'll earn Millie's highly competitive annual percentage yield. But that's not all. Millie believes banking shouldn't cost you a thing. That's why Millie offers complete peace of mind with no fees, no minimums, and is member FDIC insured. It's all part of Millie's mission to help you save more for the things that matter most. So why wait? Download the Millie Bank app today. Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. This is part two of my incredible conversation with Jamel Damji. If you haven't already, go listen to part one of our discussion. It's worth it. I have a television show where we fix and flip properties, and, and we do quite well on that. But I'll also share this with you, Jamie. In 2022, my fix and flip business ultimately lost half a million dollars. My wholesale business made $18 million. Now, that's interesting. See, I think that's right there. It answers a question for me. Can people make as much money right now doing the fix and flip as they did a couple of years back? And you're basically saying, for me personally, I haven't. For, right? for me personally, it was the, the last part of 2022 was brutal. I, sm- I killed it in the first half of 2022. I did really well. And in the second half of 2022, I, ha- I ate my shorts. It was, it was terrible. I took a haircut on every house I had on the market. I had to. There was no way out. But fixing and flipping has come back again. The market has stabilized in a way right now where there's still a tremendous amount of demand and there's just no inventory to satisfy it. And so we're actually back in the fix and flip game. We're, we're starting again because, yeah, we took some hits last year, but I think we can recoup those pretty, pretty quickly just looking at the days on market numbers right now and, and, and how hot the market seems to be just for whatever little inventory is coming on. The problem is, Jamie, is that do you own a home? Yeah, I do. Okay. When did you buy it? Four years ago. Okay. So you've got a beautiful rate on it. Yeah, I do. I got it and it was, I think it went from four up to like a million, 400,000 okay, so, to like almost a million. It was a new home okay. in Arizona. Your interest rate. Your interest rate on it is low, right? Oh, yeah. And we have a really low interest rate. We got in How in the low. low it, so whatever the lowest was, because I also like, work at GoBanking like rates. percent Two or three, yeah. We're, yeah. I'm in a low one because I work at GoBanking rates, too. Are you ever going to sell that house? I don't think so. Not with- okay. Well, let's go down your path of thinking here, right? I want to <laughs> I explore this because you are going to be the case study as to why there's no inventory. Why aren't you going to sell your house, Jamie? Okay. I would like to sell my house and maybe get a bigger house or something different with more property, but I can't because there's no place I could go for what I would sell it for. I wouldn't be getting very much and I'd have a higher interest rate. So my payment would even be more. So even though I sold it for, say I sold it for 987,000 and I bought it for 400, I'd have to go buy something for like 1.4 million to even get what I want. And then I would have an interest rate that's crazy. And from my low payment, now I'd have like a three, $4,000 payment a month. Right. So I'm just serious. It would be 
crazy to do that. So I can't do that unless I had cash to go buy something else. You wouldn't right. see me go and do that. And what many people are doing that are in your situation is they're saying, you know, I'm not going to sell this house. I'm going to rent it. If I have to upgrade my lifestyle or if I need a bigger home, I'll, I'll rent that as well. I don't need to go out and buy that. I can no. rent the property that I, I own right now and, and continue mortgage pay down and, and enjoy this beautifully low rate that I'll never see again. <laughs> and, and, and I'll keep this. So you became an accidental landlord, right? So this is, this is the generation of accidental landlords. It's what's happening right now. It's why so many Silicon Valley, Valley companies right now are creating these new innovative ways to rent out properties like pad split and communal living and midterm rentals and nursing houses and all the things, all these new ways to rent your property. Why do you think this is happening? Oh, because of the interest rates. Because of the interest rates and the accidental landlord and the known fact that we'll never get below 5% in our, you know, not for, not for the foreseeable future. Without another black swan event, we don't go below five. We don't. And so with that said, all of these houses will sit in that category of just homes that won't find, its, won't find their way back onto the market. So you remove all that inventory off the market. Now you have an inventory crunch. And I believe it's the reason why we haven't fallen into a full-fledged crash in the housing market is just because of what that is because of the artificial prop that placed on the market, seeing that people just won't sell if they have that low rate. That's why there's no inventory. That's mm -hmm. why we're in the situation we're in. And so, but there are investors still wanting properties. Like you said, there oh, are time. people, I know there's all these short-term rental people that are looking like crazy and you have different people looking all the time. So those are the people you're targeting with the wholesale? Yeah. So, the, so my clients will be fix and flippers, midterm renters, short-term rental people, new construction developers, you know, all of that. Anybody who is in the game of, of some form of exit strategy in real estate is my friend. You know, they'll, they, they, cause they, again, they don't have the time to go out there and find their own deals. And my average assignment, the average amount of money that I make on a house is 10,000 bucks. Right. And so, so I have a guy who's going to be able to make 50 or $60,000 flipping a house. I sell him and I make 10 grand. You think he's mad about that? No, not at all. He says, Hey, I'm happy you eat. When's the next one coming? Makes perfect sense. And so when people in your network, they just, do they hand it off to you and then you find the buyer for them? Correct. Is that how it yeah. works? That's and then what works. percentage do they get? Like, how does that we, work? We split it. You know, you, you find the deal, we bring the buyer, we, we, we split it down the line. And do they go through a training or... I'm, I'm like asking all these questions because I'm serious about it. Yeah. So, you know, I have an, an incredible community of people where, you know, we learn, we do best practices. There's, I mean, right now they're all on a virtual office. I've got my, you know, the people that are in the community right now, they're so bought in and they work so well with each other and they help each other so much that they, they'll, they show up for each other first thing in the morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. We've got a virtual office that people go to. And if you're brand new and you're like, I don't know what to do, you just go in and watch. Right. It's like, think about this. Last time you've gotten, I mean, you're self-employed, so this might be a stretch for you to think about. But the last time you had a job, right, when you had a job and you had to learn what to do, you know, they could give you books, they could give you videos, they give you the manual, they sat you down and told you, you know, the rules, all the things. But you really didn't know what to do until you sat down at a desk and watched the person beside you do the job. And then once you sat down at the desk and you watched the person beside you do the job, you, you said, okay, well, how do I do my version of what they're doing? And then you do it. And that's how you learn. 
It is actually doing it. A lot of times until you're actually doing something and you're in the midst of it with other people that are doing it and they're helping you, you never really know how to do it. No, and then you know what's accountability. You know if you're what you're if you're saying it right or wrong, or you know all the things. And it's just the and it also gives you a really good way to to get support, right? Because it can be scary. You know, it can be scary to hop on the phone and you know what the what I teach is the relationship based model of doing this business, right? So I'll give you an example. For me, I I I don't like disturbing people at their home. I don't. I don't like knocking on their door if they're in financial distress. I, you know, I've been in that spot. We've been, I've been in foreclosure before. I had the phones go crazy from people calling and wanting to help me. I've had people show up at my door and knock on the door wanting to help me. You know, and I remember how I felt at that time. I didn't feel like anybody wanted to help me. You know, when we were in trouble, I just thought that the world was coming after me, and I just ducked my head in the sand. And I I understand. I understand what that side of the fence looks like feels like i've been in it and so you know when you're when you're thinking about it that way um i'm i i i'm not a fan of of finding leads like that i i it's just not my approach you you can do it but it's expensive too right buying those lists and and calling those people and finding their phone numbers and all the private investigating tools that you need to do to find somebody it's it's costly, it's time consuming, and it's stressful, and it's hard, and it's demoralizing, and people yell at you, and they swear at you, and it's tough, right? I don't I don't want I don't like that, you know. So where I go for my leads are as I actually network with real estate agents, right? I the way I see it is that look, the first person that a person phones if they want to sell their house is a realtor, hands down. If they always do. I'm sure you've got somebody's card in your house or you've got some, you know, fridge magnet on your fridge yeah. of some person whose headshot they took 10 years ago. And if you ever wanted to decide to sell your house, you might call them first. You had their notepad in your house for five years, four years since you bought your house. You might call that agent back. I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But whatever that is, those realtors are always given a call. I make relationships with those people, with the realtors, right? And so when they're talking to a potential seller, they say, okay, you know, you've got options looking at your house and they only ever present my option when it's viable, right? So looking at this house, it's in, needs a lot of work. It's, this house can't even get a loan on it right now in its current condition because FHA or conventional loan lenders won't land on the house in its current state. You're going to need to do repairs up and down before this can be even financeable. So those are the types of situations, right? A lot of these people don't even have the money to invest to even make those repairs, right? They don't. They just, they've inherited the house or the finances have gotten bad and they're just needing to sell now. And so it's just one of these spots where they trust their realtor and they trust the relationship their agent brings to the table. So my job is to be trustworthy to the agent, is to be a good resource for the realtor. And I am. And so like I have thousands of relationships with realtors, but just to speak on one of them. Okay, I have one agent in Phoenix, Arizona, Monique Walker. She's a top five realtor here in Phoenix. Her and I will do, on average, three deals a month. Okay, and we'll typically make twenty to thirty thousand a deal. Okay, so think of that. If I'm doing three deals with her and I'm making say thirty grand on a deal, and I only answered her phone calls, if I only answered her calls. 
I'd have a phenomenal life, right? That's yeah, that's you that's would. the beauty exactly, right? So then so then this business doesn't have to be chasing your tail. It doesn't need to be a hustle. It can be something that you build a book of business on and and develop relationships where people trust you and you trust them and you've got to you do right by everybody and that's the thing. I think another one of the appeals that I've brought to the business is ethics. I I'm fair. I, if I if if I'm not the right solution for a seller, I will be the first one to say it. If I think a seller can get more money somewhere else, I'll let, I'll tell the agent. I'll tell the seller. I'll say I'm not your guy. I think you could do better on the MLS on this house. Better than what I'll give you. And then if they still insist on selling to me because they don't want to go to the MLS, they don't want people going through the house, they don't want to have to be prepared for showings, they don't want to do any of that, they just want the convenience, then I'll, then I'll buy it. But Jamie, let me ask you this. Have you ever traded in a car? Yep, I have. Right? Okay. You knew that you, you were leaving money on the table. Oh, yeah. Right? But you oh, yeah. did it anyways. <sighs> yeah, I did. For the convenience. You did it for the convenience. You didn't want to have to go list it, have someone come over to the house and look at it. It's just a lot of work to go sell it yourself. So you trade yeah. it in and you maybe lose like 10 grand. I'm but, serious. I mean, Sometimes so, you do. You're, yeah. So. You're willing to make that choice you're, and you're willing to make the choice. <laughs> Every, and, it, and when you think about it, there's, and so when people say to me, why would anybody ever want to sell to you? Well, it's like, why would you ever want to trade in a car? There's times in life when you make the choice for convenience and I'm the choice. Yep. It's why people do offer pad, I think too. It is. It is. And, and again, OfferPad, Door, they're great companies. They're the Silicon Valley version of what I do, right? But the, for the regular realtor, for the regular real estate agent who's not OfferPad, who's not Open Door, I'm what they use to level up. So that's so how they, they compete against those that's guys. That's how they compete because they've got me because they've got a cash solution in their back pocket, but they're still... They're just the regular, they're still your, your friendly neighborhood realtor, right? But now they have a cash solution as well. That's awesome, actually. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's really great. When it comes to maybe someone wanting to buy their first home, is now a good time? Yes. But you should really, really, really be careful about what type of home to buy, right? Now is not the right time to go and buy your fully remodeled, beautifully, beautifully done home at the top of the market and price that's, you know, newly listed on the MLS. That's not, that's not, that's not the time. If you, if look, if you're first time home buyer yeah. and you can afford it, yes, because when the market's going to get crazy again and you're not going to be able to compete. I give you my word, watch when the, when the, when the cycle, when the election cycle comes back around, watch what happens to, to rates. Some way, somehow they'll start creeping back down again to make the public happy those rates will start to creep back down towards five. Okay, and as they creep down towards five, we've got this pressure on the real estate market that's just being pulled back. And as, as soon as we hit 5%, watch that elastic band get released and what happens in the market. So if you are looking to purchase a home and you haven't been able to compete up until now, it's your only chance. Because you can always refi. That's you can what always you refi. So think about it that way because it might be the price is probably going to go up is what you're saying. As we yes. get closer to election time. But at the same time, if you have the capacity to buy something that's been sitting on the market that's not in good shape, right? Because that, that's where the deals are. The deals aren't in the beautiful homes. The deals are in the fixer-uppers. You know? And so if you, can, if you can find something sitting on the market 60, 90, 120 days, go make an obnoxious offer. And see what they say. 
and see what they say because there's motivation there. Yeah, if it's been on there that long, they would want they're and they're worried. They're like, I'm never gonna be able to sell it, and they're probably paying the mortgage. Don't want to be paying it. So. I just I just bought one down the street from my house. I, you know, my I live in a two million dollar neighborhood ish, and there was a house down the road from my house. They listed it at one point eight million, and it was dated. It had slate floors. It wasn't my favorite. It was just the layout was a little funky, but beautiful. I saw it at one point eight. I'm like, they'll never sell it at one point eight. So I let it sit for 30 days. And then after a month, I called the agent and I said, hey, I live on the street. I see what you guys have here. You've got it at 1.8. I saw you dropped it to 1.6. I think that was smart, but you're not going to sell it at 1.6, I don't think. And she's just like, well, you know, what do you think it's going to trade at? And I said, oh, honestly, I think it trades at 900. And she's like, well, my sellers will never take 900. And I said, okay, well, why would you say 900? I said, because I, that's what I'll pay. I'll pay 900 for it, but I won't pay any more than that. But I'm going to just let it sit. You, you let it sit. I'll let it sit. And I'll call you back in a little while. I'll let another 30 days go by. Called her back. And she said, look, my sellers aren't going to take 900, but they are motivated now. So what's your highest and best? And I explained, look, I, I, I need to make this purchase for tax purposes, but I'm not going to overpay. I told you 900. That was my highest and best, but I will go to 950. I got it done. I buy it at 950, close on it. I renovate it. I put $30,000 into the house. Okay, re renovated it, made it beautiful, had it reappraised at 1.5, pulled all of my cash out of it. I have no money in the house and it pays me over $2,000 a month in income. I basically made $2,000 a month in income without with having no money in and that's forever. That's infinite money. I have oh nothing in it. I have nothing in it. Now that's amazing. But right? I could see how you could do it because the guy probably bought it for six. You know what I mean? Because who knows when the person built it? So yeah, either way, they were making four, money off he it. He paid four eighty five for see, it. See, that's so what I'm saying. Probably yeah. when they bought it. So when you say nine, he knows he's still making money off of it. He wasn't one of those new people that just bought it a year ago and paid like a million something for some new home. So I can right. see that. Yep. So just start looking around, like you said, and you can get those deals. Just don't let the shiny new home. Get <laughs> yeah, like, you know, where, where you live is not an investment. It's just, it's not, you know, I, and I never look at where I live as my investment. It's not, it's just where I live. And so if I overpay for where I live, I'm happy, I'm happy to. If I rent where I live, I'm happy to, because I have to be comfortable. I have to be happy in my house. Uh, but outside of that, everything else that I look at is uh, no emotion. I have, I have no emotion when it comes to a home. Well, we all need to be more like you and take that. Everyone, remember, have no emotion when you go in to buy a home. Okay, Jamel, has there ever been a question that you wish someone would have asked you, but they never asked? A part of the het is, is I, it's a good question to think about. I, I, I don't have one off the top of my head. But if I'm wanting to like dive in and peel in, I think that what we tend to gloss over is, is you know, how do you, how do you manage your energy and how do you manage your your just the capacity to 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 do more every day right like for me i'm going typically anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a day and i and i go like in 15 minute increments it's one of the wildest things you'd ever see is just how fast i move um day to day to day to day to day and so one of those things is you know i meditation is huge for me i i take moments to sit in silence every single day and just try to listen. And I think that 
being in that space, that meditative place, it does energize me and it does push me and, and, and give me a lot to, to be able to draw from on a day-to-day basis. Um, I would love for more people to see how they have everything that they need within them and that there's not a cup of coffee, there's not a supplement, there's, not a, uh, there's nothing out there outside of you that can, that can push you farther than what's in you right now. I really like what you just said there, because I think too many people nowadays are looking for outside sources to motivate them or to give themselves the energy to do something. You hear all the time, I just don't have the energy or I just don't have the time. But what you're saying is and the reason you're successful is because you found that within yourself and that we can all do that. Mm-hmm. You just have to go in there and if it means meditating or whatever you need to do to find that in yourself to get yourself that energy and that drive to go out and be successful. We live in a really mysterious world. And I think that people don't, don't have enough awe about it. You know, like if you think about it, and I've studied some really great thinkers, but you know, Nikola Tesla said, if you want to understand the secrets of the universe, you have to think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And when you think about it and you really peel that back, you know, Tesla also spoke of this, of this source of, of energy that was boundless, that existed in the world that was invisible, but if we had the capacity to put our fingers on it, that it would change humanity and it would change life. And I think that what's happened is that we've had people on this planet find that source, and they've been able to draw from that source, and then they teach others how to draw from that source. And I believe that I I fall in that bucket. And I'm continuing to live in that and to continuing to share that truth with people. And we appreciate it. You're changing people's lives. And I'm just so glad that I can go out and share that message for you. If you could tell your younger self anything, what would you tell him? I would, I would tell my younger, my younger self that they're exactly where they're supposed to be. No matter, no matter what situation it was in, even if, they were about, even if they were getting beat up, even if they were about to make a really bad choice, even if they were about to you know, have something remarkably painful happen, I would absolutely say that they're in the right place because everything that's happened in my life got me here right now. And I wanted to know, being how your life and you've shared your life story, what does living richer mean to you? Well, I would have said years ago was just to have financial freedom and time freedom in my life, right? I would have said that, that if I have enough money to be able to do what I want, then I feel like I'm living richly. And, and that would have been true for me up till a, a few years ago, but it, it, it wouldn't hold true for me today. Today, what I would say is living richly is being in service. When I serve other human beings and the, emo, the emotional income that I receive from that far outweighs the financial riches that I gain from my business pursuits. And so... Now that I understand that, now that I really understand what it means to be of service to people and what it means to affect people's lives, I can never go back. I can never go back to looking at wealth the same. I can never go back to looking at purpose and life in the same way because it, it's not the same to me anymore. The, the, the amount of fulfillment that I achieve on a day-to-day basis, just watching people smile, to watch people heartfully have opportunity and, and, and hope is beyond 
anything that I've ever made in terms of millions of dollars or money. And so living richly to me is to have a life of service, but to really enjoy that, to really, to really be able to do it and, and to do it in a way that's uniquely me. And I think that's why you're so successful and why you're even getting more successful is because the reason you're doing it. I'm a firm believer that when you help others and you have a good purpose with what you're doing, you begin more and more and more successful at it. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And I myself can't wait to try wholesaling. Thank you so much for coming on. Amen. And hopefully more people will listen to this and know that you can go out there and you can make money and you can be in the real estate game. And there's things you can do to do that. Never let anyone tell you that because you don't have enough money or you don't have the right background or the right friends that you can't be rich and you can't have the life that you dreamed of because you can. Because Jamel has just showed us that we can and we're all going to go out there and do it. So everybody remember the one thing I always tell you to remember, and that is to live richer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at liverecherpod at gobankingrates.com. You've worked hard for your savings. It's time your savings starts working harder for you. With Millibank, you can do just that. When you open a savings account or jars, you'll earn Millie's highly competitive annual percentage yield. But that's not all. Millie believes banking shouldn't cost you a thing. That's why Millie offers complete peace of mind with no fees, no minimums, and is member FDIC insured. It's all part of Millie's mission to help you save more for the things that matter most. So why wait? Download the Millie Bank app today.